Hi, I'm Lisa Sturbikoff. I'm Hugh Sturbikoff. And I'm Brian Turner, and we're from Armored Kingdom, the platform where we're developing Web3 trading card games. And digital comics, animation, and film. And we're here on the Edge of NFT, the podcast that's reshaping the way you keep up with how Web3 tech is transforming your creative future. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Armored Kingdom is the next innovative Web3 project coming from some of the most ambitious trailblazers in gaming and entertainment. And how one of today's guest prized possessions represents his closeness with two of his best friends in real life. And find out about Coinbase's first 3D PFP NFT project. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a little soiree called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to 2023.nftla.live to get on the whitelist for tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Lisa Sterbakov, producer, Hugh Sterbakov, creator, and Brian Turner, co-writer and game designer at Armored Kingdom the multimedia entertainment universe encompassing comic books, an animated series, and an NFT-based card game. Let's hear a little bit about each of them. Lisa, since 2014, has partnered with Mila Kunis and Cami Curtis on their Orchard Farm Productions. In the company's first year in operation, Lisa sold six shows into development, every project they took out to the marketplace, and have since continued at a similar pace. On the cutting edge of the industry, Mila and Lisa launched three web NFT projects, Stoner Cats in 2021 and The Gimmicks and Armored Kingdom in 2022, and do not plan on stopping there. She is married to writer Hugh Sterbikov and balances career and parenting having two young girls. Let's hear about Hugh just mentioned. Well-versed in the comic CCG and gaming spheres, Hugh is a multiple Emmy Award-nominated writer and Annie Award winner, alongside being a game journalist, novelist, comic writer, screenwriter, and producer. When he isn't designing intricately detailed fantasy worlds across multiple mediums, he's bragging about his custom hyper-limited robot chicken MTG card. He is married to producer Lisa Sterbikov and parents alongside everything else in his busy career. And finally, Brian. Brian lives for a solid, organized spreadsheet and has applied his fixation on mechanics and game design aptly while fleshing out the Armored Kingdom card game to accompany the project. Pulling double duty as a writer on the project, Brian is known outside of his Web3 work as a Humanitas Award winner, writer, producer, show creator, and animation production expert. It's great to have this wonderful crew on the show. Welcome, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you. That's quite a group we got going here. Yeah, welcome, welcome. So excited to uh, learn a little bit more about everything you've been working on, but in particular, of course, Armored Kingdom. And I mean, look, the idea here, the vision is to to help shape the fabric of Web3 storytelling. I think you're well on your way to that. But let's take a, a step back and 
ask, how did this thing come together? Like, give us the origin story. Yeah, we love an origin story because we are all storytellers. I was doing a burlesque show when we met. (laughs) And that was a huge part of us getting together was my burlesque show. So that's, but that was many, many years ago, guys. So how did this come together? You know, Mila and I have been producing traditional stuff for a long time. We came into Web3 with Stoner Cats and then we're like, this is awesome. We're major nerd. Like nobody gives Mila for credit for being the kind of nerd that she is. I think you look at the three of us and you're like, okay, these lists seem like nerds. Mila also, you look at her, you don't think that, but trust me, she is. And all of us, all four of us played World of Warcraft to an unhealthy level many years ago. And we played a ton of tabletop games. This was just, it was just what we've done. We've been big nerd gamers forever. And when we were, when we started getting in the kind of down the road of Web3, gaming seemed to make so much sense. And we, Hugh had uh, several years ago kind of come up with this idea, come up with this big world and storytelling universe but for a like a toy product. So he really thought of it as like a physical toy product, kind of like Skylanders in that sort of world. And it, it sort of sat there for a little bit and we loved the idea and loved the story, but weren't quite sure what to do with it. And after we did Stoner Cats, he came to me and he's like, wait, do you think Armed Kingdom works in Web3? And I was like, oh, yes. I mean, like immediately, yes. And by the way, I say no to everything, but it just seemed like immediately, absolutely, it makes a total sense. And really quickly realized that in addition to being just sort of NFTs, story, comics, and animation, it also was the perfect ground ground lay for TCG. So we brought in Brian, who had this incredible game design that he then, in sort of looking, because I think both Hugh and Brian are really new to Web3, in looking at the possibilities, was like, ooh, ooh, I can take all of these nerdy things that I wanted to do on a tabletop, and I can make it better and cooler and more awesome in this blockchain space. So that, that's how it... It came together along with our partner, Sharada at Liquid Comics, who is making our incredible comic books and our animation as we're getting into that right now, too. So that's sort of the, the way it all came together. And the vision is, you know, story feeds game, which feeds animation, which feeds comics. All, all of those things feed each other and that you'll you could really be immersed in this universe. Lots of different ways to enter. Well, having done a 36-hour fast this weekend, I'm pretty hungry for all those things. So sign me up for that type of dinner. That that sounds pretty tasty. I'd love to sort of give our listeners... Why wow, you really over. have done a 36-hour fast, Josh. Everything's yeah. going to be a metaphor about food this episode. <laughs> Are we just going to gloss over that? Why would, why would you do that? I don't know. You know, something... To have to do with planning, you know, NFTLA in record time and sort of the additional weight that entered my biosphere as a result. But it was all worth it. And, you know, I'm going to get it off before the next conference, whenever it is that we go to that. So and now I'm on record with all of our listeners. So that creates even more accountability. But, have um, you had a meal since you stopped eating? Like, what was the meal back? <laughs> Just a, you know, a typical uh, healthy, like, dinner at Lunetta in uh, Santa Monica. They have a really good brick chicken. And then I had an orange to uh, break my fast. So I'm good. I have a little headache, but I'm good. Don't worry about me, guys. Okay, We'll, talk, we'll talk more about Josh's diet during Hot Topics. That okay. explains a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've ever done a 36-minute fast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Brian, let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it next month. But meanwhile, let's give our listeners a little bit more of an overview of this entertainment universe. You started to sort of tell us about the vision, but let's unpack it a little bit more. What's going on there? You know, like like Lisa said, I came up with this. I was co-hosting the Activision podcast. 
we were focused a lot on Skylanders and I have a wide variety of gaming interests. And I just looked at what they were doing with the toys to life and the way the action figures interacted with the video game. And I just thought I could do this better and maybe a little bit more mature. So I created what would have been a toy line focused on the armor that all the different characters could wear. The the armor would have various rarities and level up abilities would interact with IO or, uh, you know, mobile devices and video games. And I just had a whole big thing. And I, and I, being a story guy, a story background, I created a whole universe around it and all the characters. And it's a lot of fun. It's like a medieval fantasy world with the edge of this uh, special armor, this powerful magical armor. And I pitched it around. I pitched it to Nickelodeon. Everybody was really concerned about the cost of the action figures because my idea was to affix this armor with magnets. So I kind of put it on the shelf for a while, thinking that, you know, I'd come back to it someday. And when Lisa started this web thing, I was like, you know, I looked at what NFTs could do. And I thought that they could substitute for what I wanted to do with the physical armor that could fit on these action figures. And I suggested it to her and and she loved it. Behind it is to create a, you know, it's not all that different from Game of Thrones, uh, less magic than Lord of the Rings. But I love mixing genres. I've written horror westerns and all sorts of stuff. And I just wanted to add this element so that at the end of the first issue of the comic, of the setup of the world, you've got these warring factions in this medieval world. And then the spaceship shows up above them. And it's like, it's not so much what the spaceship is going to do. It's what the effect of that has on the people on the ground. On the ground, we've got these uh, anthropomorphized jungle creatures And we've got these anthropomorphized amphibian creatures who live under the water and they're at war. And, you know, what is the spaceship? What effect is that going to have on it? I mean, I kind of look at the end of Watchmen, spoiler alert, where, you know, this this cataclysmic event sort of solves larger problems going on in the world. And, you know, it's it's how our factions are going to scramble to handle that. So we are... You know, I'm I'm a story guy. I'm gung-ho with the comic book, the creation of it all. Brian's helping me co-write. And then everybody's doing their thing. Lisa is the producer behind the NFT project. Brian's working on the games. So we're all working together to develop this thing and get it out there. And we're super excited about it. Yeah. I, I love that juxtaposition that you do of, of kind of throwing these uh, strange things together. And I've heard before, you know, people who are more talented than me at, at storytelling that that oftentimes the story actually just evolved from putting the characters together, you know, and how are they going to react to one another? So I love the idea of the aliens and the medieval folks and whatnot coming together. 100%. I mean, I teach screenwriting and the first thing I say is that you know, you've got to start with the characters. You know, plenty you, you, a premise is wonderful to start from, but as soon as you have that basic premise, you got to figure out your characters because that's the audience's, it's what they're going to relate to. That's their avatar in the story. And you can't gloss over that. And that's what we're focused on here, you know, which is why I'm so excited to get more of the comics out there. And instead of talking, you know, showing the logo and talking about NFTs and tech stuff, get people to fall in love with our characters because they're really great. Super excited about them. Yeah, let's hear about the comics a little bit more. So, and you have some, you know, kind of several pillars here. Issue zero already dropped. Digi phys- physically, with a little bit of nod to you kind of wanting to do things in the physical world. You got more issues in the cooker. Give us some details about the comics themselves. Well, the first issue just sort of sets the tone for what I told you, sets the world, basically ends with the skyship arriving. And then we have a few issues to go into the backstory of each of the races, the kingdom of the horn, the humans, 
Pistraka. And then we sort of come around to tell the next part of what happens after the skyship arrives. And everything we're putting out right now takes place about 10 years before the main story. So the main character of the whole franchise is in the first issue as a little girl, and she's narrating it. But 10 years later, where the most the bulk of the story takes place, the real narrative, she's uh, around 18, and she's basically the first knight of humans. And she wields their most powerful weapon that, you know, we'll talk about these armorite weapons that are the most rare NFTs you can get, and they have special abilities. So yeah, so once we get all this out of the way, this premise building, which the comics really are, we're going to lead into this animated series, which is really going to tell the main narrative of what happens from here, put together a team from each of the races, sort of like the Magnificent Seven, you know, or the Guardians of the Galaxy, this this team of, of sort of misfits and people who don't belong together, don't even necessarily like each other, but they're on this common quest for survival and the future of all the races. And, and it's how just going to be really great. How many issues are there? Is it right? There's only five issues of the comic itself? There's... Five issues of the comic, counting issues zero. So yeah, so there's issues zero, one, two, three, and four. Is that right, Brian, or is there a fifth issue? Well, there's the sixth one that's not part of the original canon, the Wari issue. Right, but we're not, yeah. So, be, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, so there's five issues or four. Uh, anyway, there's <laughs> issue zero, then there's three issues. <laughs> so there's five issues. Let's just say that. Got it, and if the sixth issue appears, don't hold me accountable. Right. They've already written all of these. I love that he's like, how many are there? They've already written them. They're like in production <laughs> issue. The next issue is already done. Like it's, but okay. It's the issue zero thing that throws everybody off. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. funny because we have, uh, for our event, we have day zero. So day zero, one, two, and three. So we just ran into the same thing over and over again. Like, what do you mean by day one? Tuesday, Wednesday, what? 28th? Uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> something sounds like a really good idea and then you can't undo it. You know, you're writing issue three and issue zero sounded like a really good idea when you put it out. And now you're like, what the hell did I do? What is going? So that's kind of where I am in that regard. But then again, I can say that about most of the things in my life, except marrying Lisa, of course. Oh, there you go. Of course. Well, hearkening back to the stoner cats, just try to to communicate this zero, zero item thing to people while they're stoned. I think you're going to get even further off the deep end there. <laughs> so let me ask a little bit more about the animated show. So you, m- you mentioned in terms of the comics, everything's done, the story's written. What's the game plan here on the animated series? Is that a direct reflection of the comics? Is there something more? It's an extension. Tell us about it. As we see at the animated show, we'll take on, we'll take off basically after the last comic ends. So all of the comics are backstory. They're experiencing kind of our life. And then the, from there, that point, the animated series takes on from there. And we're Comics looking... Go ahead. A prologue. A prologue yes. in building the world for the animated series, which will be the main narrative. Amazing. And so it sounds like as far as the animated shows are concerned, there's not necessarily a uh, end pre-planned here for, right? It's a kind of an evolutionary thing as the world develops and the lore develops. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but it's important. I always like to say we know what the end is, you know, unlike maybe Game of Thrones where they kind of, we know what the end, we want to tell as much story as we can before we get there, but we know what the end is. We won't betray that. We won't, you know, fumble at the goal line the way a lot of these sci-fi franchises Amazing. Have. And that's great. And we've yeah. got the first two seasons mapped. Yeah. You know, we're ready to to go with it, especially with animation, you need a lot of lead time. 
But it's a world like Star Wars. You know, you could go across the world and tell a different story with different characters and the setup of, of this magical armor or this magical ore that is sort of like setting everything in motion and everybody's revolving around it can be used anywhere. So it's it's a lot right. of fun. Amazing. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting pumped about it, guys. You're hearing about this, man. Super pumped. Thanks. Yeah, so... <laughs> Definitely. Brian, let's talk a little bit more about the CCG gaming system, which lies at the heart of Armored Kingdom. What are some of the mechanics and goals of the actual game that you designed here? Sure. So I want to start with a caveat saying, you know, we're we're still in the coding testing phase. (laughs) So anything I say here is aspirational. Don't, you know, don't come back six months from now and be like, what happened to this thing? Because I want to fly around space with the aliens, man, and, <laughs> exactly. and that's and that's all there is to it. Exactly. This is I like to describe it as more like Dungeons and Dragons, a role playing game, than it is like Magic: The Gathering or Pokemon, those kind of games. One of the things, one of the sort of the the crushing moments, going back to Hugh and and Lisa and I playing World of Warcraft was when the Burning Crusade came out. It was his first major expansion, and by that point, we had like top tier gear on all of our characters. And we go through the portal into this new world that we were, you know, out at midnight buying the game at the initial drop. We go through the portal and there's, you know, just a random monster just walking across the desert. We kill it and you get this green common item that has better stats than the stuff that you've been wearing for six months that was like seven raids of a major dungeon to to get to roll on to win, you know? So that hurt. You know, the, the idea that this new common stuff is better than the stuff that is like my stuff that makes me. So the Web3 aspect of this whole thing really gives ownership to the players. And so what I wanted to do is have your equipment evolve with you. So it's not that your flaming sword is exactly the same as Bob's flaming sword. If you've been using your flaming for- sword for six months, your flaming sword is different than Bob's flaming sword. So that you you have some, you know, some feeling of ownership. And additionally... The time you put into your equipment, if there's a a secondary market where people are are trading this stuff off, if you put six months into, you know, making this one sword awesome and you decide to to get rid of it, it's worth more than the sword that someone just opened, you know, two days ago. Nice. Yeah. You know, I think so much has happened in the space since Stoner Cat's dropped and, and, you know, the gaming side of the space has sort of evolved so much. And it sounds like you've taken some inspiration from you know, those before you, and, and you're also sort of adding some some additional enhancements. We always talk about how important it is when it comes to the gaming side of, of Web3. It just has to be an awesome game that people enjoy. And can you talk a little bit more about, like, how you're just going to make it really fun? Sure. Well, one of the things that I think people underestimate in these games is the sort of bells and whistles that come along with the game, right? The, the core of the game has to be fun, but, you know, just to give an example, you want to earn things to show off how much you've played, how good you are, you know, these achievements. But if I'm online playing a game and you have an achievement, I don't know that you have that achievement unless I go look you up and I never, no one does that. No one looks you up. So one of the things that we wanted to put in is like, you know, in the PVP side of things, they're fighting in an arena. You're head to head with your opponent. But there's no reason that you can't have a pile of skulls behind you that represents how many people you've killed so that as soon as the battle starts, your opponent goes, oh, crap, <laughs> this guy's got a thousand skulls piled up behind him. I'm in trouble. You know, 
those kind of aspects, I think, make the game super customizable, super fun, and allow you to feel like it's you doing the battle as opposed to you control a character that controls an army that is doing a battle. You know what I mean? Do you want to talk about the, Brian, about the simultaneous turns? Sure. I mean, this is one of the mechanics that right now it works perfectly on paper. <laughs> we'll see. One of the things that annoys me in games like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone or, you know, not that magic's wrong, but it's very your turn, my turn. On your turn, you're on offense. And on my turn, I'm on defense. And on my turn, I'm on offense. And on your turn, you're on defense. And that is not how things work, like in reality, you know? So I've, I've managed to come up with a system where we're both on offense and defense at the same time. We're both making decisions not knowing what the other person is doing. So, for example, if I've got a sword and a shield and you've got two axes, you can be pretty sure that I'm going to block one of your axes with my shield because it's a shield. What else am I going to do with it? So you have to plan your attack based on what you think I'm going to do. And I have to plan my attack based on what I think you're going to do. And then the game, you know, once we've both committed it, the game sorts out what happened and we get to see. So it's, 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 awesome. it's a lot more dynamic. It's a lot more like, it's a lot more like chess where you're playing the other player more than you're playing the pieces, you know? Yeah. There's elements of magic, the gathering in there and, and poker oh, and absolutely. other, right. Yeah. All that, right. The yeah. game theory elements of it. You can see that evolving in some really cool ways. Yeah. Very cool. I love these alternative creative gameplay tactics as well. We just had on Boss Fighters, which takes like a virtual reality, a person with a virtual reality headset and setup and makes them the boss of a game. Whereas the people on their PCs playing the game get to be like the players of the game, right? And the, the boss gets to like throw them around and do all this cool stuff. I, I just love That's seeing cool. all these creative applications and things. Can you guys talk to us a little bit about partnerships? You have such deep connections in all these spaces. How does this all play into your plan coming forward? Well, I mean, we coming from the side of the world that we come from, partnerships are everything. I mean, we don't, you know, on the movie that Neil and I have coming out in a few months, there's three different production companies, there's a studio, there's, I mean, you know, there's, there's, we, this is how we work. You work in collaboration with other people. So we have a game collaboration that we haven't, that we're not announcing yet, that will be coming out, uh, that we will be announcing probably in September, that is already deep in work. So that's fun. And obviously, any hints? I mean, we're, hints? Any nope. Hints? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, other hints. than I will say that when we were talking to people, Hugh saw the name of one of the people on our meeting and went, oh, shit, that guy, that guy's a fucking legend. So that's the only hint I'm going to say. Love yeah, it. 20 okay. years ago, I used to write for the video game magazines when they were still in print. When I first moved to L.A. and I was starting as a screenwriter, I used to write screenplays during the day and review games at night. And I actually interviewed this guy. So, you know, yeah. he's in no shit. I mean, he's... So he's you're talking no about Mario from Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Yes. yes. And Luigi. Okay. Yeah. And both. Luigi. Guys, we have both of them. Got them That's right. Both. Nice. Okay. But obviously, you know, Liquid Comics is an incredible partner and always have been and, and are part of this, this process as well with us. And we're currently actually already in conversations about who our distribution partner will be for the, anime, the animated series. So now we can make it ourselves that so we don't need, a, you know... Between Liquid and us, we don't need a separate studio, but we will not be distributing it ourselves on a website. It will be distributed in a more traditional way. Very so cool. does that mean the Web3 audience has to like go back to Web2 to see the content? I will say that, see how do I not spoil this? I will make sure, we will make sure that along the process, that we continue to lift the veil of the process to our, of all 
But the way that we build animation, if you look at both the gimmicks and Stoner Cats, you get to see what we're making all the time. Now, we don't want everyone to spoil the story for people, but we do want people to be able to see what we're doing, like understand where we are, be part of that process. We are going to continue that ethos all along the way. We just also want, we feel like, you know, everybody talks about how do you onboard normies? You onboard normies by going where they are. They're not here yet. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would be fascinated to learn about like the genesis of stoner cats and what you're thinking here in in great depth at some point since since we're only a highway away from each other we can figure that out but i give you such kudos for being such a pioneer in this industry and and sort of taking on the next challenge right people want to know how this gets done and most of the people that come on our show say we tried this and it worked or we tried this and it didn't work. And and this is just there's a lot of unknowns here. So I asked my question with an appreciation for the journey that you're on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely it is we I mean, with Stoner Cats and with gimmicks like you know, with Stoner Cats, it was we tried a lot of stuff and some of it like we made some assumptions and some of them were good and some of them were bad and we learned a lot. So that but like you can't know how to do it until you do it the first time. And there was none of our peers that are doing this. So we, it just wasn't a thing that was even on anybody's radar. We had to create systems and create, put things in place that never have been put in place before. We have contracts with actors for Web3. That, wasn't, that didn't exist. It does now. That's fun. And then we, we, you know, we took that and sort of iterated with the gimmicks and had it more interactive. And now it's like, now how can we iterate again? Take the things that we learned that really worked improve on them, make them better. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that SaaS model where you're just like, I'm going to keep trying this shit until we like find the right thing. Because I also think none of us know what the thing is that's going to become the massive breakthrough. And I'm excited, you know, I'm going to keep trying to be part of whatever, whatever that thing is that like really breaks through to the mass market. And music to our ears, definitely lean, lean startup folks over here, agile development, all like near and dear to our hearts. I love to see that. Also, I got to ask, you know, we had Garib Seamus on the show talking about uh, Hero Maker Studios. I I imagine you guys cross paths uh, in a number of different ways. I mean, Um, for decades. Yeah. 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 I could see, I could see some, uh, some synergies there for sure. Any, any conversations about what you each are working on? Well, what's really funny is actually Sherrod and Garib, they just got together at, they were at some event and Sherrod's our, our comic side. And they, I mean, you know, they've known each other for, I mean, forever and ever. Certainly, I mean, we really want interoperability in lots of ways. So whether that's, you know, with story where we get to like map, do story mashups, we already, you know, we did it with Stoner Cats, Gimmicks, Deadheads, and and uh, Subducks. We did like a, a full like mashup episode that we produced. We really want to do that. That we want to do that with story, but we also want to do that with gameplay too. Like we really want to find like how do our pieces work with somebody else's pieces. We don't know that yet. We're so desperately want that for ourselves as fans and as nerds. We want to do that ourselves. Yeah, right on. Yeah, one of the reasons I get so pumped about hearing y'all talking about it is just your backgrounds and capability to go execute you know, against this. We can all have ideas and a vision, but uh, execution ends up being everything, right? And speaking of execution, as we look at your roadmap, what's next? Like, what's what's on the horizon here that we can talk about? Well, the next issue of the comic is done and will be out shortly. What we're doing, what we're doing a lot is is sort of playing with how we drop things. You know, the first comic we funded the near because we're doing this on the near, so that nobody even had to touch anything crypto themselves if they were really near. We really wanted somebody who had never had an NFT to be able to put in their email address 
and mint and have the, you know, have their first thing in their wallet. And now we're trying to make sure that that same smooth and ease in our next drop is there while allowing them to experience the part of putting in a little bit of near, you know, and the great thing is it's like, you know, 10 bucks and you can mint a ton of stuff because it's, it's low gas, but we were going to keep these all in totally free. All the comics will be free. The first parts of the game, you know, the first people who are there with us playing this game, it'll be free. It's going to be a bit before, like, we want to make sure that we, what we have there is great and is working and that the people who were there at the beginning get to like experience it first. So that's part of it. We are also starting work on um, a TCG, a tabletop, sorry, a tabletop game. So like a tabletop RPG. So we're working with people who, I mean, Brian has written them before, but we're working with people who do this professionally to help write that with us so that we can do like full, we have a, a dungeon master who's, she'll be in and like DMing, we'll do it on Twitch. We'll like be able to have the whole community have fun playing in this universe while we're building our game. So we want to basically want our community to be able to be immersing in the universe as we're doing that game build. You know, I come from the world of Hollywood and um, 20 years spent in development and rewrites and getting hired and and nothing ever going ever. It's so hard to get a, a dollar in Hollywood for development, let alone get something made. And in this world, People get behind us. They believe in us. They invest in us. We have no bosses. We have nobody to tell us no. We have nobody to spank us creatively. You know, no studio executives, no money people, you know, putting their thumbprints. You know, I think that the main guy should be an octopus. You know, and that's the kind of nonsense you get. I wrote a novel about werewolves and I had this development executive say, I don't like werewolves. What if it's demons? Did you read the thing? The whole thing is a love letter to the mythology of werewolves. So this is super exciting. You know, we're creatively free to do whatever we can think of. And that's just, I mean, a wonderful situation to be in. I wish it upon any creative person. Yeah, and like Lindsay McInerney, who's, who we brought in, we like stole her, frankly. The first person, she did the Stella Artois Zed Run Horses. So she was the first person to put a brand in the metaverse. And then we were like, come, come be with us. This is going to be awesome. And what's amazing about her is that we go, we have, you know, we're creatives. So we have ideas that we're like, what if it's this? And she's like, well, I don't know. Why not? Let's try it. Because we aren't limited by what we think the tech can do. We can ask for things that maybe nobody's done yet, which yeah. is fun. Yeah. It's, it's so amazing what's possible here. And you know, as you're thinking creatively and reflect on what you've seen in the space, we always like to ask our guests what projects, concepts, and Web3 have been most inspirational to all of you. Okay, well, I'm going to take this one because the guys are like, what? And I'm going to say something that's probably pretty controversial. This downturn was really hard on a lot of people. And I never, I, I am interested in projects that are not about using the blockchain to make speculative assets. I'm interested in projects that use digital ownership in ways that mirror it in ways that we do in real life. The things that we normally do, we play games and we consume content and we tell stories and we take those experiences and actually make them better by that technology. Right now, it feels like we're only using the blockchain to, as like, um, like, we've just decided that these things are a value of a certain thing and it's speculative. And I'm sure people have made a ton of money. I know they have, and people have lost a ton of money. And I don't think that's the best and highest use of blockchain, in my opinion. So when I see people who are doing things that really are taking 
a normal sort of thing and making it better. And gaming is the thing. This is a game piece. We want to, the same way I own Magic the Gathering cards, I own them. And like, we've sold Magic the Gathering cards that we've had. We've traded them with all those experiences that you get to do with Pokemon or any sort of other physical thing. We now can actually do that. And when I'm leveling up my character and I decide that I don't want to play the Flaming Sword anymore, I can sell it. As opposed to when I'm in World of Warcraft and my bags are dead, my bags are just dead, they just sit there. So this is a much more interesting use case to me, as opposed to let's drop the rarest thing and hope that people hope that it goes to the moon. That's not interesting to me. I don't want to create speculation. And also it creates a game that people can't afford to play. And I don't, I want a game that people can afford to play. Yeah. So a lot of your inspiration comes from traditional gaming and entertainment space and trying to sort of bring some of that energy here. Yeah. I mean, totally appreciate what you're saying. When we reflect on the industry and sort of what we want to do with the next NFTLA, it's all about mainstream adoption and building bridges. And that comes from real utility. And this has been a consistent theme on our show for the last few months. And all the guests you'll be happy to know are really committed to bringing true utility to the space. And so I think we have a pretty exciting road ahead and some really amazing pioneers like yourselves uh, helping to get us there. That's so exciting. And and because like when we talk to, when I even explain to these guys, when we, after we, you know, when we were doing Stoner Cats and explain to these guys, like, this is what it is. And they're like, like even all of us, everybody who first hears it goes, I'm not paying a hundred thousand dollars for a JPEG. Like that's crazy. And they're never going to really get that. And there is a space for that and a place for that. It just isn't what we're ever going to be doing. And this is all the evolution of a very disruptive form of technology. And we're so early. This is part of what we're seeing, creative destruction, that process. You know, it's all happening before our eyes and, and we're all a meaningful part of it. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, L.A., Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com, it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle, to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht.
Well, let's shift gears for a minute, guys. Let's let's move to the next segment and talk a little bit about some questions we call edge quick hitters. It's a fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. We're looking for short, single word or few word answers from you, but we may dive a little bit deeper here or there. Again, there's 10 total. And what we're going to do today with three of you is work our way through and rotate one by one across these questions. And we'll see what we come up with, okay? Jeff, I'm realizing that this is the second show in a row where we've had a couple, a married couple, answering these questions together. I know. We may have some follow-ups. We will see. Okay. (laughs) Question number one. Lisa, we'll start with you. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Well, now everybody's going to know how old I am. I remember buying the cassette tape for Starships. We built this city on rock and roll Oh my! God. so that I could play it nice. in my little like cassette player that sat on my waterbed. Nice. Because, nice. Waterbed. Nice. What year was that? Like 1985 or something? Yeah. So somewhere in there. Yep. Yep. I, so I bought it with like money that I had gotten and saved. So that's how old I was. It wasn't like, I mean, yeah. Beautiful. And those I, were I could doubloons, check. right? Some kind of ancient. That's right. They were doubloons. Well. That's right. beautiful i'll double check that year because i have that cassette in my garage actually i think um yes i'll find it and send it to you question number two hugh we'll go with you what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life oh my gosh that's a hard question i when i was very little i i learned to read from comic books it's been my whole life and even when i was just 10 years old i got hired at the local comic book store and they would only pay me in comics and I started wheeling and dealing comics even back then. Uh, there was a Dark Knight collection book that was super rare that I really wanted, and my dad wouldn't let me get it. So there was a kid, there was a guy at one of the at the comic conventions. He was always there who had one, and every it was every month. And every month I would bring a little stack of comics and slide it over to him, and they would accumulate in a trade to get that book, which stuck here with a. Uh, headphones, but it's the book is like seven feet away from me right now. So uh, I sold a bunch of comics to get that book that I desperately wanted. Amazing. Nice. Brian, we'll go with you. Question three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? Most recent thing was a new Mac mini. I needed to upgrade my setup because new games are coming in and I'm going to have to start playtesting. Amazing. Yeah. I got to get my eye on uh, some of those new ones as well. Is it working? It's working okay for you so far? So far. All right. So far, so good. Cool. Lisa, back to you. Question four. What is the most recent thing you sold? I sold a movie to Amblin. Not too shabby. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Question number five. You, what's your most prized possession? Aside from my kids and my wife. Well, I've got the first appearance of Spider-Man. It's behind me up there. Yeah. Personally, it's also back here. So when I was young, bring it down for one second. When I was young, my best friend passed away. And to name drop really well, I'm now I'm best friends with Seth Green. And, you know, he's kind of famous for customizing figures. And he made an action figure, my friend who passed away, like a, in a Star Wars flight suit and put it on a card, made it look like an actual action figure. And every time I look at that, it makes it's real. It's real important to me because it's my two best friends sort of sharing their love for me. So it's, it's really, it's back there too. Damn. That's one of the best answers we've had you. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, man. Question number six, Brian, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service, an experience that's currently for sale, what would it be? What do you have your eye on? A ranch. <laughs> I got to get out of LA. 
It is too hot and too crowded. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a location in mind? Uh, I'm looking in Idaho, but who knows? Okay. okay. It's just going to be like horses and cattle and stuff? Or how, how, uh, just, how deep are you going to go? You got to throw some goats on it just so it counts for tax Get the llamas. Purposes. Go but, for some uh, llamas. Yeah, exactly. A ranch guy named Curly. It's going to be great. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Question number seven. Lisa, back to you. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? <laughs> Hugh's face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it would absolutely be stick-to-itiveness. I just get it done. I once quit a job these years and years ago. They hired four people to replace me and then they shut down the division because nobody could do it because I just will continue to do it until the job is done. To the detriment of my family and myself and my like general health and well-being, but the the ability to just like, put my head down, get it done. Look at Josh. He's like, oh yeah, I understand that. I understand that completely. Absolutely amazing. Q to you, question eight. I'm if not you... going to comment on Lisa's other <laughs> traits, but here really quick, this is uh, this is the action figure that Seth oh. customized for me. I can't get a clear, but you can see it. So oh, yeah. that, that's my friend's name and did a really good job with the um, the likeness. You can see there's his photo wow. and there's the figure. Really talented in making action figures. That's pro. That there is you go. Amazing. Truly I thought amazing. for sure the question was going to be, what traits have you two passed on to your children? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no comment. I mean, like, desperately. Like, in the history of no comments, this is the noest comment that has ever been no commented. <laughs> well, Hugh, question eight. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would oh it be? God, God, what wouldn't I eliminate? My lack of emotional control. I'm much better in my older age. Lisa has such a good control of her emotions. And she's able to keep calm, get things done. And when I'm, when, you know, when my fuse is lit, I sort of sometimes lose focus on what the prize is. And I wish I could have back a million times in my life where I've, you know, lost sight of the price. Mm. Tough one. Wrangle that passion in, right? Yeah. All right. Well, question nine, Bri, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I took my dog for a walk to, nice try, and, to try and get him to calm the F down. Yeah. <laughs> Similar personality trait. What kind of dog? Uh, what kind of dog is it? It's a beagle. Ah, Okay rambunctious beagle yeah sounds good he's all right about two years old we got him on the during the insurrection like we drove up to the breeder and they were giving a big speech at the capitol and then talked to oh, the wow. breeder and picked up the dog got back in the van to drive home and it's like they're breaking into the building i'm like what the <laughs> so, so does the beagle howl with the sirens when when ambulances go by similar to my neighbor's dog every he single day three beagles in a row for no howling Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's truly impressive. Last question, Lisa, back to you. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to make us all dinner. So in a little, well, I'm going to actually have a little extra time. So I'm going to do some work. And then um, Hugh's going to pick up one of the kids from camp, from music camp. And I'm going to make us dinner so that uh, so it's all ready to go when everybody gets back. Awesome. When you say us all, does that include Brian or no? No, Brian only eats candy. That's not an exaggeration. Brian only eats candy. <laughs> Apples and candy. It's really not okay. And candy apples, probably. <laughs> the apples only help them poop out the candy. <laughs> There's a system. There's a system. Amazing. Well, that was uh, Edge Quick Hitters. Y'all, thanks so much for sharing with us. We appreciate it. Word is, we got a pretty special hot topic to uh, queue up. E, what do you say? 
Yeah, let's do it. But I'm realizing that when we have couples on, we have to do some sort of a newlywed game type question as well, even if they've been wed for a while. But <laughs> that's going to add some spice to the session. But yeah, on to hot topics. So today's sponsored hot topic is featuring one of Coinbase's first NFT releases. Coinbase is thrilled to announce the first in a series of collectible NFTs celebrating the art and possibility of CG design. From the eclectic mind of veteran designer Misu and Days 3D, the graphic studio that powered Batman, Cowls, RTFKT, and Clonex comes Qubits, the first in a series of limited edition NFT releases celebrating the art and possibility of CG design. Foregoing the automated approach of algorithmically generated NFTs, each of the 500 Genesis Qubits are meticulously hand-designed by the artist. These colorfully emotive, playful, and expressive Qubits are inspired by Yuga Lab's Mebits, Lucas Zenoto's Mood Rollers, and a healthy dose of anime to instill positivity and inquisitiveness in all holders. And today we are welcoming Misu and Kirsten from the team. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of intel from them on the project. So welcome, Kirsten and Misu. Thank you both so much for joining us today. And it's just a really special episode of so many talented folks like yourselves doing so many cool things in the space. We'd love to sort of learn a little bit more about this Genesis collection, some of the utility that you've baked into it. Thank you. First of all, we're super, super excited to be here and super excited to be one of Coinbase's first PFP drops, not one of, but the first, but one of their first drops. Not only are we following your last guest, but we're also following Bill Murray in this drop. So it seems... uh, it seems serendipitous that both of this is happening on the show and our drop is happening Friday. I mean, who else better to follow than Bill Murray, right? As you mentioned, Daz3D is a force in CG with a global community of AA talent. And we've been around for two decades. We have a marketplace, so we sell um, 3D assets. As you mentioned, we've proven this with RTFK and our drops with Clonex and partnerships. And we're uniquely positioned to curate world-class collections. And this isn't just the first, there will be more, but I think we should hear a little bit more from Misu because he is the creator and he did these all by hand. This is not a generative collection. They are all different. There's 500 of them. And uh, as Hugh and Lisa and Brian were talking about, this also tells a story, which we love storytelling. So Misu, do you want to give us a little bit of the background of how these little crazy cute guys came to be? And for the viewer, I'm featuring his video here for a moment so we can see the cool background he, he created. And you, you can tell us a little bit about that for the listener as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, that I'm so honored and excited to be one of the first artists to release the NFT PFP project on Coinbase. Well, uh, I spent a lot of time to create these uh, little qubits, but I never thought that I can be, well, uh, so luckily be choice by uh, Coinbase and to be able to launch the release this early, at this early age. And uh, uh, I'm following Bill Murray's and I know he's a famous comedian. I never saw him in some movies, but I know he's a big deal. So uh, I'm super excited and honored. 
Uh, well, yeah. well, you know, our other guests here know Bill Murray, and uh, maybe they can, or they're in the same sort of They know tribe, about Bill Murray. They, mo- they, know. they know more about Bill Murray than the rest of us, let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I, I, I would be definitely into checking out his stuff films after. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's Well, I mean, it's just a testament, I think, to this cool concept you built out. These guys look so cool. And, you know, Coinbase is very fortunate to have you all in the mix. Yeah, let me yeah. ask uh, process wise. So obviously Coinbase a behemoth you know, in the industry and they've, they've just kind of entered into the, the world of NFTs here recently. Like, what was that process like being, you know, courted by them or, or interacting with them? Like, how did that work? We have created partnerships with a lot of the online bases and had a few launches and we've been really excited to have that partnership with Coinbase and create that relationship and, we, yeah, I mean, how many have they had released? Not many. And we're coming in as the first PFP collection. Yeah. So riding, you know, off of the momentum of your previous work and successes and those partnerships, which you know are are so important. I'd like to know, like in terms of timeline for other folks interested in doing something like this, a collaboration with say Coinbase from inception to completion, you're just about to launch. Like what, what kind of time frame are, are, should people expect? Well, I have to be honest that they came to us a couple of weeks ago and we said, we have a spot earlier. So can you guys launch on Friday? We'd really, really like this to happen. And we were all set and ready to go. So here we are. Wow. That's super quick. That's like, you know, the UFC fighter that just decides to get in the ring with no notice. When you get the opportunity, you just grab it by the reins and just get it done. Right. Yeah. And they've been such, such a great partner and really, really supportive in creating the launch and and supporting us in, in how it's going to happen. And yeah, it's been awesome. And let's touch on like utility in the future. Like, how do you uh, think about utility as it pertains to this project? What's on the roadmap? What are the opportunities going forward? Well, we have a lot of things up our sleeve. The roadmap, this is definitely not the first thing that we are going to release. And we have some you know, possible bonuses to people. The price is set at 0.07 ETH. So that's, uh, I think, pretty attainable for most people. Yeah. Amazing. So accessible price point, which is great. Sounds like a good number of, you know, connections to your other projects. I guess that's one of the benefits of launching several successful projects is the ability to intersect them in different and interesting ways as you take individual communities and bring them together into a a global community, really. We were talking earlier about just the the meta purpose of projects and trying to get people into the space, tapping into the fun. Uh, Right now, we were just talking about gaming before, but just how do we attract more people into the space? And I'm curious, in terms of building community, like what are you guys doing on that front to bring people that maybe this is their first uh, NFT into the space? Well, I, we have the the Discord channels and Twitter, and we have done this before. We have a, a huge creator artist network. We have almost a thousand artists who sell on our store, and we're really hoping that helping back Muso's project, we can do the same for future artists and really give them the opportunity to get in the space and showcase their work and really be able to represent not only our community, but bring others into the space and we have someone from almost every country. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. That, that is amazing. And if people want to you know, follow it, follow the drop, follow everything that's happening, where should they go to follow the progress of the project? They can find us on Twitter okay. and they can also the Muso and in Discord, I believe. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're excited about this drop and our listeners should be too, because you guys have decided generously to give away two NFTs. So thank you very much for that. We really appreciate it. And we'll um, share some exciting details about that contest on social. So um, listeners can check out social to get all the deets there. Yes, definitely. Please. Amazing stuff. All right. Qubit's first PFP drop on Coinbase. Exciting. Congratulations on that. Just one of the first few ever. Anything else before we uh, break out here? No, I just want to remind everyone that we are the partners with RTFK, with Artifact and Clonex, and also Batman. So if anyone wants to check those out, the cowls were released, all crazy stories. They look amazing. But yeah, thank you. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us, Kirsten Miso. By the way, nice job. We own the cowls. He was such a huge Batman fan the second I was like, I'm buying you an NFT. This is your very first NFT. That was his very first NFT. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. It wasn't Come a stoner cat. It was a bat cow. There you go. And yeah, I mean, these are both revolutionary projects that you guys were part of. Um, Warner Brothers, we're fortunate to have them at NFTLA announcing that project. And what, what Artifact has done for the space has been absolutely incredible. And uh, it's made a lot of my friends uh, very happy with collecting NFTs. So yeah, congrats on all of your achievements so far and in this next step on your journey. Thank you so much. And thank you again. We're really, really excited to be the first PFP launch on Coinbase. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for for joining, y'all. We'll talk soon. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. That reminds me now, did you... Check out the cowls and the whole setup over at NFTLA. I don't know if uh, if you guys talked about that at all. We didn't make it to NFTLA. Oh this my year. gosh! Oh, dude, that was so cool. All right, all right. Well, we'll, we'll have to do something special for you. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun things queued up. So, once you have kids, you don't get to do anything fun at all. It's it's over. <laughs> It's over, dude. Oh, I thought the kids were the fun. I, I, I don't know. You guys seem to be having a lot of fun. No. no. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I agree you guys each take one of our Josh. kids. You guys each take one of our kids for a week. And you'll yeah. see your fun, all honesty, idea of fun is redefined. All right. At so comic so, books were written while he was sitting in a parking lot waiting for his kids to get out of music practice. <laughs> I got to ask too, what what is a particular instrument singing? What's the course, the music course? Oh, she plays guitar and piano and she's like in a band. She's in a band. She's 13. She's cool. It's annoying. Sounds like super cool. What kind of, it's like, we're like, Like she's in a Nirvana. She's doing Nirvana covers right now. Nice. Nice. Amazing. All right. No, no. Yeah. She's 13. She calls me bruh. And she's pissed off about everything. She's pissed about everything. She sits on TikTok all day. We watch movies. She talks over them and then asks me what just happened. And if I refuse to answer, bruh. She's going to listen to this. She's awesome. She doesn't care about anything I do. That's true. Well, that is amazing. And I feel like there's like, there's, there's a story for me here, Hugh. I could tell, I could tell already. There's something happening here in the background, oh, yeah. waiting for the uh, screenplay on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right on, man, right on. Well, cool. Well, look, I think that's about it for this episode, guys. We could spend probably all day talking about this stuff. Super fun. But we do want to make sure we're directing all of our listeners appropriately to the right place to follow yourselves, Armored Kingdom, like everything that you have going on. Where do we tell them to go? 
Certainly go to armorkingdom.com. There is, you can read the first comic. You don't have to own it to read it. So you can read the first comic and then um, links to Twitter and Discord there. I'm at Lisa Sturb on Twitter. Brian, I don't know what you are. What are you on Twitter? And what you? What are you on Twitter? I'm, I'm nothing on Twitter. <laughs> I'm Brian's. I don't want to say anything because I don't want to get canceled. Dot com. Right. Um, <laughs> nice. uh, I'm at Dark U on Twitter, D-A-R-K-H-U-G-H, but I'm not terribly active. But you can find me there. If you want to? But both the guys are in are in Discord all the time. They're talking yeah. to people about story. They're in there engaging like pretty regularly with we're the Discord having, team. We're having a terrific contest on Discord right now, where people are creating creatures for our world. We'd love it if if more people came. So if you have you know a little bit of creativity in you. There's a good chance that, you know, one of your ideas could be a mini boss in, in the game later on. Yeah, we just taught, helped the contest to design a creature for our world. And it, it, there's limitless possibilities. We can do that all the time. It's really fun. Really great. Uh, sounds cool. Such a, it sounds like such a fun, engaged community that you guys are there present. It takes time, I know, but but to do that is a testament to your commitment to that community. So that's amazing. Check it out. Get in the Discord, y'all. Uh, yeah, we gave all- away uh, signed copies of the comic. Yeah, that's right. And so... Actually, um, that on that note, there's a segue. There it is. I appreciate it. So to take uh, Hugh's cue there, um, we are doing a giveaway actually for this episode. It's going to end up being five physical issue zero Armored Kingdom comics signed nice. by the team. Y'all, this is crazy. Amazing giveaway. Keep an eye out on our socials for all the details on how to have a shot at winning these things. Super cool. Super generous. We really do appreciate that. That's going to be something you're going to want to score for sure. So keep an eye out. We'll get the deets out to you. Okay. Well, I think we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We have space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us, say something awesome, then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also check us out on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.